hello. Welcome to episode number 179 of the Applog Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by BetterHelp.com. Get affordable private online counseling anytime, anywhere. Talk with a licensed professional therapist online and get therapied up. And you can get a free seven-day trial with the code Applog when you go to BetterHelp.com slash Applog. That's a good. It's a good time to, time of the year to start thinking about stuff like that. Okay, uh, I'd like to thank all the Amazon shoppers for shopping on the show. It's very helpful. You can help the show out too by going to slash amazon or slash US Amazon. You can do it the old-fashioned way too by going to applog.ca and click on the homepage, click on the right side, and you'll see the banners located on there. And you will bookmark those links. And every time you shop on Amazon, use all those URLs. And you will be directed to Amazon. Shop with, have fun while you're shopping. And Amazon. Amazon. I'd like to thank my patrons. You can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash You can pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis and help with hosting and gas fees. Cancel at any time. If you want to buy a t-shirt, go to applelog.ca slash shop. And there's some music for sale there too as well. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Give it five stars, please. Like the show on Facebook and follow me on Twitter. Oh, Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Pod. Follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. Today on the show, I have the band The Alpacas. I was just on Facebook and somebody posted this great song on here. And I'm like, who the hell are these guys? And why haven't I heard of this band? And I immediately sent it to all my friends, this YouTube link. And I got the approval of many, many of my friends they're not like 48-year-olds like me, but they play music kind of like that I associate to. And I kind of fanboyed a little bit out, and I, I really gave them some props. I'm going to play you a song right now. It's called Wax. Here it is.
And that was the song Wax by the Alpacas. Uh, that record came out last year, and they're actually presently recording some new music right now. And um, one song at a time, they're making a new record. I'm really, really happy to uh, have them on the show. I'm glad I found them. Um, as you get older, you forget to sort of like go look for new music. And I happen to find this music, and I think it's really, really awesome. You can pick the album up. It's called The Best Is Behind You. And there they are, the alpacas on the Apple Podcast. Can you guys introduce yourselves? Because I haven't done like three people in a while, so. Okay, I'll start. I'm uh, Nick Harper. I play the drums. Uh, I'm Greg Lee. I am the vocalist of the group. I just sing on stage. Like guitar and singing is like this to me, patting the head, running <laughs> the stomach. So I picked the one thing and yeah, it's worked out pretty good so far. And I'm Brent Lee and I, uh, I play guitar and I sing a little bit too. We're missing uh, bass player Brad Gardner. He's uh, he's working. It's nice to meet you. I like I said, I I I followed you guys for now. I bought your record and I followed you guys now for about three weeks. So uh, <laughs> however long it took me to to get in touch with you guys. So uh, are you originally all from Barrie? We are. Yeah, actually, uh, my brother and I are just outside of Barrie in a little uh, township called Oro. So it's got that very Neil Young sort of Omimi thing going on where there's just like, you know, farmland and, you know, just lots of cats. pretty much <laughs> the case where we are. But this uh, gentleman, you were in. I was in Barrie because I just recently moved, moved out of Barrie, got a little bit of property. I have two little boys at home, so they... They needed a bigger house. <laughs> uh, so being in a band, you guys have obviously been in different bands and, and, and in that surrounding area. What what kind of bands were you listening to? Because you guys are relatively young speaking. Like, Would you mind me asking how old you are? Well, <laughs> funny you mention that. Um, I'm the old guy in the group, so I'm 36. Um, but the rest of the guys are still in their mid-20s. Mm-hmm. So fact that they keep me around is pretty sweet so <laughs> i'm 27 so i've got 30 breathing down my neck so i i feel his pain every every morning. 27's the time 27's the time when you need to get your shit together that's the that's the break yeah. or make or break time um i'm feeling it yeah <laughs> i have to be an orthodontist or something like that drop the whole rock and roll thing altogether. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think we're in an okay time now where you can talk about your age. Um, there was a time uh, 20 years ago where you, nobody would ever tell anybody their age. It was like, it was a kept secret because where we were with the industry and, and things like that. Do you find your age being something that helps you write songs and help you be a musician? Or, is it, or And does your age, do you think, keeps you back from, like, say, making it? I actually feel like it's gotten uh, easier as I've gotten older. Maybe it's just the time we live in, but I find uh, turning 27, people seem to take you a little bit more seriously because uh, they know that you're not just, you know, fresh faced out of high school, you know, with, uh, you know, the most horrific thing that happened to you was a, a teacher or a parent yelling at you, you know, you've, 
you know, had breakups and, you know, all kinds of uh, nasty things happen. So, you know, I feel there's definitely a time around this age where people seem to go, okay, well, you may have paid your dues a little bit. So <laughs> we'll, we'll listen. No, I agree. And I always thought, because I kind of came up in the 90s, and I always thought it was unfair of musicians that got older in the industry and had to lie about their age. Like, I worked for bands like that, and I was just talking to the Salads, a couple like um, Mr. D from the Salads, and he said, we never told anybody our age because we were afraid that they would, mm. wouldn't take us seriously as an industry because we were, quote-unquote, too old. So it's right. good to know, I mean, that there is... Um, I guess some sort of weight in being a little bit older, a little bit wiser. And it took a while for us to come around, huh? Yeah, no, it, it's great. You know, you don't have to pretend you're younger than you are. We're not doing a 21 jump street thing by any means. So it feels good that, you know, we can be uh, honest about uh, our advancing ages, <laughs> some more so than others, but yeah, no, it feels good. We're definitely uh, uh, comfortable in yeah. our own shoes. So growing up in Barrie, did you guys find that you had to come down to Toronto and play a lot, or was there a pretty healthy scene in Barrie? Um, there was a great scene in Barrie. Um, the Fox Lounge, which was attached to the uh, old, uh, was the Rocks at the time, yeah. like the de facto bar that everyone played, and you know you see amazing bands from all over. So it, it definitely felt like when we came of age, especially that. Barry was becoming a bit of a happening place. And even be like before that, you had the Foundation Nightclub, which isn't a really a live music venue anymore. But it was this same type deal where like you would see national and international acts come through and you, you just try to try to soak up as much as possible and hopefully look like you were fitting in. Probably didn't look like that at all, you know minding my own business drinking and ginger ale the bar but yeah no it was uh it definitely felt like a like a grow up if you were interested in music yeah i for think the most part. i have a band that played there a few times called the fairmounts we played uh the fox lounge a bunch of times and uh it's yeah, moved down the road now it's at the, the the hot dog place the hot doggery yeah, yeah. yeah it's right the Cor uh, corner there there's the five points dead sentence uh not too shabby yeah we're booked to play there again on uh, may 18th okay i call it that area with all like the signs and stuff in barry that's barry Times square that's what i call that yeah. right. <laughs> pretty much yeah but fancier <laughs> fancier that's right absolutely um so you've put you've put a few records out i just like i said i bought the the, the your latest one which came out a couple of years ago is it two years ago? Um, and I, I, there's so... How did you... Did you record it all in Barry, or did you go somewhere to record it? We recorded um, drums and bass at Metalworks in Mississauga. And then we did the, uh, the balance of it in a studio in uh, Newmarket. Oh, which, well, which studio in Newmarket? It was called Slip One. It's the the uh, keyboardist for Glass Tiger owned it. Hmm. Is it is it still there? No, uh, he 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 um he shut it down actually this I don't know six months ago or so. Yeah, yeah. and he just kind of moved it back to his home studio where it originally was. So. Oh okay, 
did you have it produced by anybody or you self-produced it? Uh, we was kind of, our engineer at the time, kind of engineer slash producer. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're the co-worker. Cool. What I hear, I hear is like, because there's eight songs. Is there eight or nine songs in there? Eight. Eight. Every song has its own thing going for it. I mean, did you take a long time to record it or did you... Did you take a long time to work on it? I mean, especially, but it sounds like your drums all and bass all kind of came from the same spot in the same session, but the sessions, I mean, this is, I think, the good part. It, every song kind of has its own um, uh, feeling. It's not just like a cookie cutter, kind of like, here's that song. It sounds like that song. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, we, uh, uh, a few of the songs are, you know, a little older from like, you know, 2014. And, uh, we kind of just wanted to cover as much ground as possible. Um, for me personally, one of my favorite records is the replacements, let it be, which track to track really different and has a completely separate vibe from the previous songs. So, you know, loose models like that, and uh, it just kind of keeps things interesting and, I find records like that, you don't uh, fall into ear fatigue as uh, quickly when uh, you consciously make an effort to, you know, change things up a little bit as time goes on. Mm -hmm. Did you guys ever uh, get into bands like Get Up Kids and sort of that late 90s, early 2000s, whatever they call it, uh, not Americana, but almost like emo kind of stuff like that? Were you into that stuff? Um, I kind of missed out on that stuff. I was uh, still pretty young. It, it's funny, actually, because like when I was in high school, I got, I guess, 80s, 70s and 80s punk bands were kind of my thing. Um, you know, one of those weird moments where someone gets you to listen to a song and you just kind of like on a rabbit hole of all these bands that came several years before you were even born so that's kind of where my head was at and uh that later 90s stuff i kind of missed out on a little bit we have heard the get up kids comparison before um and, and it makes sense to me i think because i actually um like him i missed i missed uh i i i listened to a lot of uh japan droids which is a newer Vancouver. And um, and uh, they cite the Get Up Kids as a, as a as an influence. And the time we were writing and recording the uh, the record, I was listening to a lot of them. So I, th I think I think that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Bands like My Chemical Romance, like that, had their big, big, big break. All they all you know uh, credit Get Up Kids as being like a major influence. And they actually hired the keyboard player from the Get Up Kids to go on tour with them. So I thought that was kind of a neat homage to, cool. you know, to people that, you know, because a lot of people, obviously, we can all agree that there's there's the innovators and then there's folks that kind of kind of follow the trend. And then there's the, you know what I mean? It's a it's a tough one to find your mark and it's a tough way to, but it's easy to recognize the innovators. You know what I mean? Like the Elvises, the Beatles, you know, and Get Up Kids were in that sweet spot where it was like, you know, they didn't really get what they deserved because there was a dashboard confessional. We're putting their record out around the same time as Get Up Kids, and they got completely lost, completely lost in, yeah. the, in the mix. You know, 
But yeah, um, yeah, great, great band. Did you um so seventies stuff like is that because your parents were into that stuff or or was that was that uh, just you go out and follow you on your own? Uh, the only punk rock record my parents owned was uh, the Fun by Teenage Head, but that was kind of like uh, uncharted territory for me until I was about sixteen. Really dumb. My friend was listening to Molly Crew, which I wasn't much of a fan of at the time, but um. He was listening to it like really, really loud, and they did a anarchy in the UK. Even that big of a crew fan really liked the song, so I kind of, you know, started looking into it and realized, oh, this is a band called the Sex Pistols, and they were out of England, and they were, you know, sort of the first of their. Hard for that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Sorry, you got a little, you little jumbly there. So, but I, what I understand is that you know, listening to bands like the Sex Pistols for the first time must have been a big eye opener. Like for me, it was Iron Maiden when I was like, you know, eight, eight and ten years old. Iron Maiden was like, what the hell is this? This is, this is crazy. Why, why, why is the guy talking about devils and stuff? You know, and uh, I said this hundred times, but it always scared the shit out of my mom. Because mom was like, "Why are you listening to this music where it's got the Bible stuff in it?" And, you know, <laughs> so we all kind of get into music to kind of piss our parents off. I mean, was that was that a, was that is that true? Um, maybe a little bit. <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of. I just uh, I liked the attitude, and I it was a band, you know, that they weren't perfect at their instruments. It's actually funny because, like, even though the Sex Pistols was my first introduction into punk rock. They only have the one album, right? So I was immediately on Flash right after that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went back a little further and got into the Stooges and the New York Dolls. And for me, what I loved about those groups is that they almost felt like bands I could visualize myself in. And my dad's other, you know, sort of... Um, big rock records I, I know this sounds totally cliched are groups that there's a big separation between you as an audience member and them on stage and what i loved about those late 70s punk rock records was that it seemed to me like oh like i can be in this group like i can you know hmm. hang out behind a lions club and uh, drink beers with them between sets and you know stand right up shows and i i think uh it's become such a like a bit of a trope now but yeah it, that's just kind of what gets you into it like yeah. really quickly and yeah i i agree with you like associating like your music with the people you listen you know the people that listen to the music versus the people and if you listen to the band and go oh okay well I like these people as people. It kind of, for me, it gives bands a pass because as people, their politics are just being normal people. They're not being rock stars. I mean, there is something to be said about, you know, even Motley Crue or bands that sort of put themselves higher on a pedestal. It's like, all right, well, at least I don't want to be that. And and, and achieving that seems so incredibly hard. Um, so playing punk rock was is, is a way to sort of, it's a, it's so interesting because you guys have, have you toured and done things like that and like traveling around and have you stayed close to home when you, when you, as a band? 
we we have it toured like our previous band um that my brother and i were in, we did a few tours here and there but uh the alpacas have done more you know we've got yeah uh, regional re- regional in, in ontario for the mm-hmm. most part so yeah nothing too heavy well i mean the interesting part about i mean touring and playing in shows and playing in new towns is that there's a little scene and a little microcosm of every in every little town there's a there's a bunch of people just like you you know and and, and they want to come and see you play because there seems to be a, like a, a scene, you know, and, and there's you'd be surprised on some little towns you go into that people want to hang because you're the new band or you're the band that comes through town. And do you, do you, um, I mean like, and also just touring kind of sucks. <laughs> so, so I mean, there's, there's a reason to sort of appreciate, I mean, good little towns, you know, like, so, and I mean, the B part of that, it's, it's almost makes sense to, to tour locally like you do anyways because i mean there's so many places to play now compared to what there was years and years ago right Mm -hmm. yeah it's uh it's interesting i find when you step outside of your hometown especially if the town is kind of like a small you know alliston type place people are super grateful that you you know made the effort to drive out and put on a show because a, a lot of those younger people don't have the opportunity to see a big rock show or or even a little rock show that we'd like that we'll put on just uh, it's it's nice to sort of uh you know just get outside your own little pond a little bit and uh make some new friends and playing rock music and folk music or country music or whatever just doing it is a terrific way to do that yeah yeah playing live is it's it's always sort of been the what keeps bands together i mean the recording part the business part of it these are all things that sort of somehow can drive bands sort of apart and but the playing live part it to me is the love part of it you know and there's an old friend of mine said that being on tour in a band is uh 24 23 and a half hours of bullshit for a half an hour of bliss and that's totally true mm-hmm. because you get to play for that half hour, the rest of it kind of sucks <laughs> to an extent. Yeah, that, that's the hard part. You know, it's uh, it's you got to make sure you get along and put in the effort. It's like a marriage of four to five people. You got to keep yourself in check and pick your battles. And it's, I know it sounds totally cheesy, but it's uh, it's true. Like what makes a good marriage is ultimately going to is ultimately what makes a good band. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've so you've released a couple of uh, releases. Um, is it on a label? Because I, I didn't even see if are you doing your own releases. Was there someone behind you for this? Um, we were sort of part of a small little, what would you call it, like a little sub label, or uh, we, were, we were managed by uh, someone. I guess you could call it a management company. It's a little murky exactly what it is. Um, <laughs> to be honest, yeah. so is that, uh, maybe the answer is no. <laughs> or, this is all ourselves. It's getting a little yeah. convoluted. So, yeah, yeah we, we do have a great uh, a friend. His name's uh, Justin Reed, uh, who uh, who manages us, and he's he's helped us along the way. And he he uh, operated under a name uh, called Willow Music. So there is there's some help on that end, but in terms of um um you know fi- on the financial 
um, that was all out of our pocket. So, uh, yeah, I guess you want to, mm-hmm. you know, call it that. So, <laughs> where do you do it? Yeah. No one's picked us up. From that. No. <laughs> well, we're still at the bus stop. <laughs> the, yeah, the, um, well, the, the production is really good. And I like I was I was trying to say that before, but I, the production is really good. And, and when you hear records these days, I I like to hear. I mean, it sounds like there's real instruments there, and and I don't care if there isn't. You know what I mean? It just sounds like people playing music. And I think we're turning a corner with that stuff. You know, where nothing needs to be 100 percent perfect anymore. Nothing needs to be, um, you know, cookie cutter kind of stuff. And and someone told me that there's so many different niches of music now that you don't know where to go. I mean, like, where do you go? I mean, you have to go what pleases you first, and then whatever pleases the the masses of people, that determines your success or not. I mean, do you, I mean, is it tough being in the industry now? Like, is it tougher? Like, because I, I, like I said, I've been kicking around for 20-something odd years, and it's never been easy. Yeah, I would, sorry, I would say it's, uh, it's a tough nut to crack right now as to like what you should sound like that's going to make people gravitate towards you. And uh, we kind of recently just had a discussion about going back to writing exactly more so what we really loved, and which was original stuff that you can't even, you don't even have out in the world anymore. It's, it's not even on the net anymore, but it's like, was more inspiring than kind of the direction we ended up going which was more like an effort to try to fit in. And I think uh, kind of going back to our roots is what we're looking forward to doing. Yeah. So, Go ahead. It, oh, it, it's, um, it's Father and I, it's been about 11 years of doing music because we started when we were, I don't know, I guess 16 and 14 respectively. And um, it, it, it's funny because right around that time that was when the myspace thing was really you know getting big and blowing up in a big way so uh we've seen the decline of the cd and the music industry the way it is today have happened in real time from people going to music world and hmv to buy their records to just turning on their computer and now their phones. It's been interesting because out of that, it feels like there's more music in a way, which probably makes it harder for a band like us. But uh, in the end, um, uh, the accessibility and uh, interactiveness that we can sort of have with our fans feels like off than maybe, you know, records i don't know i i could be wrong because i i really have nothing to gauge it against it's just sort of uh you you gotta live in the reality you live in and right now it's it's basically all streaming and internet and that's the way people are gonna hear you there's a positive to to the digital age though um that i think um is is really helpful for a, a band is that you can create on your laptop you can you can record songs and you can put it up on soundcloud and you can send it to blogs and share it on your all your social media and you can find out immediately whether you are in, in the right direction or not in terms of songwriting um it's it's we live in a blunt era where if people think um 
you suck, they'll tell you. <laughs> and that's, uh, while that can be hurtful at first, um, I, I, it's really useful and I think it's important. And, and even if people, I mean, say, you know, not say you suck, but, you know, they might have, give you no reaction at all and and that that's that's pretty much the same thing so um yeah i, I think uh that, that's one positive i think as song we can we can sort of progress quicker maybe than we would have that being said i'm a millennial and i i really haven't uh released music in another era so <laughs> i don't know maybe people will tell you on the street if you suck back in you know, eighty-two. Maybe they did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you guys got to go to Germany. They'll tell you you suck. Believe me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Germans are blunt. Germans are very shoot from the hip. They'll come up to you and say, uh, "Your first song is very, very good, but your second song is shit." You're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> Thank hey, you. That's, yeah, that's what I want to hear. You know? <laughs> I truly think though a band like you guys should go to Europe. I think Europe is the place for it's the place for music. I mean, it doesn't matter what you play. And I really do I truly believe that. I mean, like I I sort of came up in the in the late or the early two thousands and I was already in my mid thirties at that point. And and in Canada I wanted nothing to do with with me because I was too old, too fat, too ugly. Went to Germany and Germany's like, this is awesome because we got bands like the Scorpions. We don't give a fuck what you look like. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and and I, you know, I've said this before, and I'm I am a broken record, but it, I think it's the extra thousand years of uh, of uh, a gene pool where people have art and they have spoken word and they have language and 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 they have things to reflect on. And music TV never ever took off there, so image based music was never a thing there. And and. And I think that still holds true, although I have a few friends over there that sort of still play and work in the industry, but Europe's the place to go. I don't, you know, it's the place, it's the mecca for me, for, for, for any band to, to, to go and experience it. Even if you go and play a couple of shows and have a holiday at the same time, it's the place to do. I think you're totally right. Just ask any one of the surviving Beatles, so I'll tell you, they were <laughs> right to Hamburg. At their teeth, so yeah, uh, I think you are definitely onto something as far as uh, Germany and Europe goes for you know non-image-based music being you know forefront. Don't get me wrong, so you guys are all good-looking dudes. Okay, oh, well, thank you. I'm just saying. No, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm not saying you're ugly or fat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did all my. I know, right? And I'm not even doing any of this video stuff at all. Um, well, I mean, if you guys want, if say for somebody, for somebody, for instance, somebody come up and said, uh, "I have a, I have the key to the money house where all the money is and where all the music," and do you want to jump in this this bus? And there's a cost. There's a cost to 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 be in this um, to be in the business or in the industry to play, play nice or play in the industry. Do you have a breaking point? Like, do you have a spot where it's like, okay, that's not enough. You know, that, I mean, that's, that's not enough money or that's not enough or that's too much for me to deal with. Well, I mean, there's certain realities. Like, I mean, you have to be able to afford to live and like, you know, someone like myself, I have a small family, so I couldn't just do it for nothing. 
you know, if it's going to be a full-time swing into music, it's got to make sense. You know, me personally, I would, I would, uh, I would, I would eat ramen and drink the rainwater off the roof of a car in order to play music. <laughs> um, so it, 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 it does not bug me at all. I, I, I would go and, and tour on a shoestring budget or a no shoestring budget. I, I, I would, I would go do it. What about you, Greg? Well, I, I certainly feel the same way. I guess, uh, you know, my brother and I are at a lucky stage in our life where, you know, we can kind of sort of just go play music and not have to worry about anything. You know, we always have our worries, but, you know, it, it's a love and passion that in the last 11 years or so hasn't gone away. So, uh, I think, uh, yeah, no matter it's hell or high water, we're still going to play music regardless. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just, it's, it's certainly, uh, you know, if you, if it's in your heart, then you're going to find a way no matter how, uh, extravagant or just, uh, basic it may be. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. And in being, you know, obviously being at a younger age or knocking on the door, on the door of thirty, it there is there is time. You know what I mean? There is time to enjoy that. But also, what I've spoken like I've spoken to a lot of people on this show, and some people come to the realization they're in their fifties and they're in a successful band, but they're like, you know what? I don't need to do. It. You know what I mean? Like they have their priorities in their life completely spider off into different directions and it was because of music that they have their their passion and their and their other things in other directions but I, I do know that after a while that sometimes musicians go you know what i need to do other stuff i need to have perspective here i need to understand what it is and why i do it you know and i was speaking to my friend uh stefan that plays in a band called the descendants and he's like uh i don't like sleeping on the floor so i'm not gonna sleep on the floor i'm just gonna i'm gonna <laughs> enjoy I can enjoy living in a hotel, you know? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think, uh, as a person yeah, who loves music, when I was younger, I thought in order to make good music, you had to be miserable. I sort of bought into the whole idea that you know, suffering made great art. And as I've gotten older and read more books and listened to more podcasts like this, I realized that isn't necessarily true. That, a great chunk of musicians that I admire are happy people and they were able to make great albums being super in, in a good place mentally. So for me personally, I know if, if I'm getting stressed out about music or songs or the way things are going, it's healthy to take a step back and just let yourself recharge so you could approach it again with fresh ears. And I think especially at this age, you know, you, you kind of learn to be good to yourself first and form definitely follows functions. So I think you should, you know, I, I, at least I should maintain that because I feel like it's working for me in a, in a big way. I, I hope <laughs> <laughs> I'm dwindling off. It doesn't sound so uh, <laughs> certain, but yeah, no, it's, it's good. Well, that's the, okay. that's the 27 year old in you speaking because you know, there is, Actually, science is in your favor because now, at the age of twenty-seven, your brain is completely developed. Did you know that? That your brain has stopped growing 
to to the part where it's exponential growth. So everything you've learned now is in there. So you just how how you're going to use it is is the most um, effective way. And rationalization because the most I've met people and I know people who play music and they're in their forty five fifty years old and they'll do it till they're dead. And at what cost? You know what I mean? Like, at what cost are you going to kick that dead horse or that dead dog or whatever you're going to kick? Whatever. It's dead, whatever it is. And at what cost? You know, and, 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 and the suffer part of it. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, there are certain things I've been miserable playing in bands, but we made the best records ever at that point. But what I do tomorrow, coming, knocking on the door 48? No, not a chance. Not a chance. <laughs> That's good. It's, uh, it feels good to know yourself and to know what you like, you know, whether um, you admit it, whether you admit it or not, you do spend a lot of time, you know, trying to be popular with people in whatever social, social circle you may be in. And I definitely feel at this age right now, I, there's what I like musically and what I don't like. And it just kind of feels good to do what you want overall and yeah i just i don't know just i I seem to be in a better place than i was even four years ago so Mm -hmm. uh, i'm gonna continue down this method that i've been doing more so well honesty to yourself is the most effective tool in that especially with creating because if you're honest with yourself and who you are as a person and what not only what your strengths but your weaknesses are that's how um music great music is made because you understand mm-hmm. where I'm strong and where I'm not strong, and how am I gonna, you know, make a living playing music? How am I gonna make great music? How am I gonna keep my mortgage or bills paid? But how do I make great songs? You know what I mean? Like these these three things you can kind of figure out is how am I gonna make great songs? That's the most important part. How are you gonna do all that? But unfortunately, you need these three things to be covered before you can actually go out and make great music. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense, and I I, I think that you need to have um those worries in order to make good music um at least music that i'm interested in um you know i i I think kind of calling back to uh, a a question from before um you asked about our ages and uh and uh sort of how that affects with music and i i think we are better at writing songs now because we have something to write about um when i was writing songs when i was 14 uh i didn't have anything at all to write about so the music was nonsense yeah and, uh, which which i maybe had its charm in its own way um but uh i think now we are writing about things that are maybe a little more relatable um, um than you know a 14 year old kid uh could offer so uh yeah i i think it's 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 a struggle uh but if you love it enough um the outside struggles will actually help your music you know and and also maybe keep your mind off of just creating because i know if i was just uh focused on creating music um and not paying any bills i don't think uh i don't think i would end up creating anything at all because i think i would just sort of um dwindle into a creative uh slump because for me time is isn't good I, I i need a deadline i need a i need you know you have a couple hours to write a song and you know get into the studio that's that's perfect so uh i think i think it works i think it works for me at least 
you know yeah you you need someone sort of you know breathing down your neck and you yeah. know saying like hey like you have this amount of time to do it before and this amount of money and time's and, up yeah yeah so i i think i think all that um at this stage is is good for a band um but then again i'm i'm kind of uh of that minimalist mind okay. so yeah maybe yeah. i'm wrong no no i agree mm-hmm. with you okay. i i totally agree with the timeline thing because i've been making a record with three other dudes that live in all different parts of Ontario. It's taken me two years to get to the part where we're at vocals yet. <laughs> so, uh, because mm-hmm. we have all the time in the world and, and, and nobody's given me a deadline. Um, so yes, I totally agree with you, but at the same time, I've been under a deadline 20 years ago. I was under a deadline where I had to come up with a record six weeks. I had three songs. I had to write a whole 14 song record. It was scary. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And not the best yeah. work <laughs> as a result, but either yeah i think if you let yeah, oh sorry um i think um i think if uh yeah obviously there's a there's a balance there if you're if you're terrified you know you know music doesn't good music i don't think comes out of uh, out, of, out of an anxious place mm-hmm. um but i think it comes out of a a um sort of a uh, maybe a not self-conscious uh place if you have say you know, a little more, maybe 12 weeks to get something done. Yeah. Um, maybe you'll, you know, be able to sort of think about it and then move on quicker um, than you would, you know, like myself, I would, I would analyze a guitar tone or analyze the vocal or a harmony or, or this or that um, un- until, uh, until I had, you know, no more time left and it would just be an awful song. So um, yeah, again, uh, Definitely moderation. I think I think there's a there's a point where that can be an accident too or a disaster. Oh, so, totally. Yeah. I'm, there's uh, people have said you got to write songs every day. If you don't write a song or something every day, that you it it it, um, it will it might affect your productivity because if you uh, mm. even if you write shit like for a week and you write gold on the seventh day, you're still keeping your brain active in that sort of thing. And I, I it's funny because I never even lived that way. I was always like you know like. It, they're like taking like whoa like there's these moments where you're like a, you go write a song it's almost all written but but that's all by accident you know and and are you guys like um do you write as a band Bo- yeah. uh, both sometimes as as a band and sometimes i uh greg and i will take a song uh to the group yeah, yeah i miss the fact where you put a bunch of guys in the room and hash it out you know that's those are special times that we yeah. I don't have anymore. I mean, do you guys do you obviously practice on a schedule and you're serious about being in a band? Do you do you uh do you do that stuff that way cuz that's I'm envious if you do. Yeah, we we try to get together once or twice a week to rehearse and write. Um that's been pretty consistent for the last yeah four years we don't we don't (laughs) force ourselves to write though i like i think for me uh and maybe the rest of the band um songwriting is a lot like i don't know uh falling asleep if you if you are focused on falling asleep and you shut your eyes really hard and and uh and you know and try to get there you'll you'll never actually do it it's something that tends to yeah and some eat you alive yeah I, i i think um I think you have to you have to feel kind of comfortable maybe not thinking about it um 
I think that's when sort of the, the good ideas come in when you're, um, when you're not trying to force it, at least in my experience. A bit of a carefree trance. You know, mm. you'll just be in a room, you know, this sound is coming from the amplifier amplifiers and something will come out. There's a, a certain synergy that happens when you get that collective brain power in one room, which for us, four of our brains is like one brain. <laughs> so that's a good start. <laughs> so uh, when we're all uh, just doing our thing, that's when, you know, a little ray of light will happen at some point that makes the hair on the back of our necks stand up and we'll all look at each other and go, that's good. I think we should follow this down the path a little, little further. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it, it's something that, you, you know, that seems to work out because those instances seem to be the songs that people like the most when you play live or they hear it mm-hmm. on SoundCloud or whatever. Yeah. That's the stuff that uh, if that gives you that sort of excited feeling, then when other people hear it, you know, you're doing something right. And uh, like, and there's certainly songs, like you said, you had three and then you needed to write a bunch more for a record. It's funny because there's even stuff that like, I thought that we just did off the cuff that people have been very, you know, excited and, earnest about loving and part of me is just like really i like we were i was like half paying attention when we wrote that song mm-hmm. so uh, even though there, there's a the stuff that gets you excited and excites other people it's funny how subjective music really is that's something that uh maybe you consider just a just a song to fill the record is a song that really means something to someone mm-hmm. which is nice well, I think the magic key is writing words that not just one person, but a thousand or a hundred thousand people can relate to, and and it's the key, it's the phrase, it's the it's the it's the intention. All these things, it's a it's a mix of beautiful soup that that you then everyone listens to and goes, I take things out of this is what I take out of it. I mean, one of my favorite songwriters on earth is Neil Finn, and he writes words and he doesn't even know what he's writing about people like come up with their own conclusion about what the song's about and he never ever once said the song is about a guy he's doing this he fell in love then he doesn't wasn't love anymore and then he fell in love again and then yeah you know what i mean like he never doesn't sit there like it's like the artist sitting beside the painting pointing at stuff going oh see that that's the part where i was thinking these things it just naturally has to come out of you and that's the tricky part i mean and that's where you have to sort of, where you're talking about the trance, that's the sort of thing you're just letting it out. And, and if people resonate to it, then awesome. But there's so many variables in this business where how are you going to, you know, whatever you say, they, they call it a hook, but it's like, well, what's the hook? You know what I mean? Well, the hook is just what comes out naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. Like when you mentioned earlier about, you know, writing every day or being creative every day, you know, like anything, creativity is ultimately a muscle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if you write something that you're not maybe totally crazy about, you reach a certain point where, you know, maybe it, it's a hundred times better than if you just wrote 
every once in a while. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a, a good place to be where even work that you're sort of half on board with, if you work hard at it enough to the average person, it might seem a lot better than if you did it, you know, try to exercise that, you know, uh, creative muscle, essentially. I think too, if you, yeah, the idea of writing every day is sort of like, um, you know, you're never going to catch a fish if, if you don't keep your rod in the water, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Well, line. <laughs> I think, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, not, not the whole rod. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's been a while since we've been fishing, yeah. so. <laughs> um, but you catch anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly all. <laughs> Let the rod out of the water, right? <laughs> but, it, well, uh, despite my, my gap, I think, I think it might be understood. Yeah, I, I just... You, you gotta fish. You gotta keep your stick on the ice. Therefore, <laughs> yeah, you you, you want. Uh, I I think I think that's kind of what it is. And I, I mean, maybe I could subscribe to that, but I think I'm too lazy to do it every day. Yeah. I like to get away from it. Do something else. Well, absolutely. Well, I, there's also a time when you, um, there's. I mean, obviously, people who are authors and painters, they don't paint, and you know, some do paint every day, but but. The idea that you can have this period in time—I mean, that's the that what with with paying your bills and everything comes time to be able to have time to create and how you prioritize everything is like—and this is coming out of the mouth of a guy who's like a seasoned, uh, you know, Canadian musician who says, "I write every day." It's like, well, good for you, but not a lot of us can write every day. I mean, we have to write when we can, and and uh, and you know, my whole thing was like, I would I try to write every day. And you're always like, it turned out to be frustrating. But the frustration part, after you let it go for a second and came back to it and go, oh, okay, now that's perspective because, you know, you, you stop thinking for a second, you've taken your brain out of it and then you come back into it. And then that's, oh, that's the song. And um, did you find, you guys ever find like songs that were, that were made by accident were always like the ones that were the keepers or did you, do you guys ever have a song where you had to really, 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 really work out and it turned out to be the best song you ever wrote? Um. I think it leans towards the former as mm -hmm. far as songwriting. Um, I think the stuff that we've, you know, agonized over tends to be the one, something that people, you know, oh, oh cool. Um, but this, I don't know, it's, it's gone both ways, but uh, it, it seems to be the stuff that we, that just is kind of a happy accident that uh, for the most part, listeners gravitate towards i don't know why but you know maybe i'll contradict myself in the future eventually and we'll do our like yeah <laughs> big iron maiden opus and that's the <laughs> one that everyone loves but um yeah no it, so far it's been uh the incidental stuff that has gotten the most uh traction if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So are you recording now or are you in the midst of starting to record? What's, what's, your, what's happening right now with you guys? Well, we just recorded a single uh, with uh, Nixon from Colorado down at his studio in Toronto. And uh, we should be releasing it sometime in the spring. That, yeah, we that should correct? be uh, reviewing mixes this week and then uh, getting it kind of wrapped up over the next couple of weeks. And then, figuring out how we want to get it out there. 
Yeah. Are you guys going to do a full length at any time soon, or is it, is this not in the? Are you just going to just do singles at a time? Uh, I think the plan is to do just singles, singles and EPs. Um, I, as as much as I I love the LP and have a collection of records I love, it's it's a lot of uh, you know time and money. You know, it takes a takes quite a good chunk of the year to get an LP out, at least for us. So, you know, shorter EPs definitely seem to be the way to go right now, just dropping singles and keep people interested for the most part. Staying relevant is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. When you fall off for two years and not put anything out, people can forget about you pretty quickly, right? So Yeah, it feels like square one a little bit. So we can put out a couple singles a year and keep playing and, you know, keeping people waiting for something else. Until maybe we get, you know, we strike it good and something really gets some traction. Mm-hmm. That works better for a band like us right now. Absolutely. So, and if you're making you're making singles one at a time, all you need to do is put nine of those out, and then you got a record. And then that can be your, uh, you know what I mean, like the greatest hits of the year or whatever you do, you know. So therefore, exactly. it can be like the bundle, you know, buy them all because we're in a year, right? We're in it. We're in an age now where. <clears throat> LPs are kind of like vinyl is a thing is important, but but when you want to think rationally or think like um, sane, because vinyls just seem so expensive and it's so crazy to me. Are, are you guys sorry if I'm offending any vinyl people out there? But I truly think that vinyl is a. Uh, I didn't like it when I was a kid. I don't. <laughs> there. It seems like a like a. I don't want to, the word fad is not the word, but like. People put the album on vinyl, and then some people don't really care. So I don't. I definitely fall into the category of vinyl lover for mm-hmm. the most part, mm-hmm. and uh, it depends on who you who you ask. Really, I know some people that you know love tapes, and I'm I'm not the biggest tape fan of the world. Cassettes, you know, I remember them causing me a lot of heartache. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'm more of a street like a streaming guy mm-hmm. in, in that case yeah no i, I do love vi- vinyl because it, it does feel like a piece of art essentially you know if you have like um uh in the court of the crimson king which is not a punk rock record at all mm-hmm. but you know it's just a, a fun album to look at as, as weird as that sounds sometimes you know how music is presented is just as important as how it sounds against sort of what we were talking about, you know, image based mm-hmm. band. But, you know, even like great cover art or like a great, you know, band logo just makes you go, yeah, like it, it gets you excited if you see like even an old gig poster in a record shop or a pub that, you know, it, it makes it, it gives it a gravity and a sense of, uh, uh, a mystery that oh you should have been at this show or you should have you know uh, been listening to the, this band at this time because it, you know as, as a music fan it as a music fan it gets gets me excited I I don't know I like it I like it a lot when uh with a band has cool merch like that mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people it's the ritual of well I think it's the they you know they like they like the stereo and they like uh, cleaning the records and. And uh, lifting and putting down the needle, and I think I think there's a romance to that, um, and there's something to be said about that 
that sort of communal aspect and that kind of romantic aspect of of physical music. That being said, um, I I I I'm totally a streamer and I love it. I love the fact that you can listen to um, you know whatever you want at any time, provided they're available on the service. Um, um, yeah, that's that's kind of that's that's a really free way to listen to music. It's nice to it's nice to to sample and 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 sort of be a part of that buffet. Um, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, I I understand. You know, I understand the ritual of vinyl, but I also my only sort of not argument, but my only re, um, reply to that is when I'm walking through the woods and I'm listening to. Uh, a beautiful song and it totally relates to my surroundings uh, there's no vinyl in the world that will ever create that feeling and so that to me mm. is the anti it's the almost the same thing because it's a ritual you're walking through the woods and listening to Beck or something and it's like holy shit this is my world's turning alive right now and I don't even have any drugs in me you know but the the feeling that you know that I can relate the music to my my sights and sounds around me that goes back to days of touring when you're in a van, you look at the front window and you're listening to something and it's like, oh, okay, I can put, now every time I hear that song, I'm going to remember myself being in that part of wherever I was at, listening to that type of thing, you know, where, you know, and that's my only argument against vinyl is that you can't, it's really tough. They used to have cars or record players in it, but they never played while you were driving down the road. But um, it's this thing you'd flip out from like the 60s and 50s and stuff, but it's something it's your it's your surroundings how you without getting too hippy dippy trippy about it but it's it's definitely a surrounding thing for me and and that's exciting for me right no i i do know what you mean like you, you, it seems with music you know you wonder if the experience of it is worth more than the actual uh record itself like if you're in a bar and you hear a song for the first time and then you spend you know, months trying, this is before like having a little app on your phone that can tell you what's playing <laughs> as you're sitting there. Hearing a song that, you know, you go, what was that? Mm -hmm. And then you, you know, you spend months and asking people and you, you try to like uh, reiterate maybe the riff or a certain part or the course and half the people don't know what you're talking about. And then one day you meet someone that goes, oh yeah, it's uh blah, blah, by blah, blah. And I don't know, there, there's just something about, about music in, in that sense where when it hits uh, your favorite stuff is definitely, definitely more connected to experiences than you think. At least for me, for the most part, when I think about my favorite records and hearing songs for the first time, how it was introduced to me is definitely incredibly important to how I value it today. So if I have a vinyl record by a band I love, I can think back to hearing it the first time and going, this is, this is pretty cool. This is, this has got me on a path now. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. Well, I, I like finding new music, you know, and although your record's two years old, it takes a while for a guy like me to sort of somehow stumble upon it. And, uh, I wish you luck, you know, because it's, uh, you know, it's a long road and, uh, and for anything that comes out of it, you're writing great songs, and that's you know you got that part going for you, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've realized being happy with what you've recorded and what you've done is you know 
even if you are at square one, it's still a great place to be because when you really believe in your music, you know, creatively, you can't really do any, anything wrong. Like, uh, you know, you don't have to defend it. You feel, uh, you feel good about it, which is, I, th I think what we all feel. Amazing. But are, but are, yeah. It's, it's nice. Well, thanks for doing the show. No problem. It was thanks great. For having us. And that was Nick, Greg, and Brent from the Alpacas. And good times, right? Yes, I had a great time. And it's fun finding new bands. And it, for me, it's new bands. It, you know, it's <laughs> it seems kind of condescending when I say new band. But they're not a new band. They're just a great band. For me, they're new. Does that make sense? Okay, good. I hope that makes sense. I'd like to thank everybody for checking out BetterHelp.com. You can get a free seven-day trial by entering the code word APOLOG. Uh, by going to betterhelp.com slash epilogue. I'd like to thank all my uh, Amazon shopper friends. Thank you so much for buying stuff. It's very helpful to the show. It uh, Thanks to the patrons, always to the patrons. You can become a patron too by going to patreon.com slash epilogue and help the show out. I am just putting this a little bit late on a Monday because uh, I had to work this very, very early this morning, so I came back from work to put this out. So next week I have I'm going to tell you who I got next week next week I got a oh Doug Rizal of the band Trunk I might not have heard of Trunk but I have and they were awesome I recorded Trunk back in the 90s in the 90s that's when people had bad hair bad pants ticky pants do you remember ticky pants I do ticky pants well th look it up anyways anyways we'll see you next week have a great 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 week and we'll see you later